0: Beyond Yacht Rock is a podcast that invents musical genre names. We do that by identifying a feeling, a trend, a lyrical or thematic pattern, whatever, and find the music that best captures that inspirational seed. But we've never pre- presented a genre simply inspired by a person. I'm Bob Seger doesn't count. That was inspired by his music and by a need to sell leftover t-shirts. <laughs> and it worked. It <laughs> worked did you buy new t-shirts, too? No, I did not. No. Wait, I, didn't you order more? I might have allowed pre-orders. Oh,
1: um, okay. Yeah. I, I still have like two or three left if anybody wants them.
0: So
2: it's effective.
0: Yes. The Bob Seeger system works. Um, so anyone can make a playlist that defines themselves. Just like a group of ten songs. That's Hunter in a nutshell. Or here's Steve on a CD. Or did you just... Oh, I still he- buy them. <laughs> Here's, you just hear a bunch of emo and ska songs passed off as punk? You've just met Dave. That's pretty accurate. Personal genres are kind of like a DNA. It's a unique mix of songs that are unlike anyone else's. Challenge anyone to count down their own personal genre and order. and order the songs from 10 to 1. I guarantee you that like human beings, no two lists would be the same and every list would change with time. My personal genre would probably consist of a bunch of 80's music by middle aged guys trying to figure out what the hell is next because that's what I'm going through. But no, I'm not going through your typical midlife crisis. I'm going through a shitty one. I lost my wife in May to colon cancer. She died way too young. She left me with two young extraordinary children. She left me with a gigantic hole in my heart. But she also left me with 12 years of memories, and most of them around music. And fun fact, my wife Leah never heard the song Ah, Leah by Donnie Iris until I played it for her. And I am proud of that, boys. Really? Good job, J.D. Thank you very much. Uh, So I wish all of you out there in uh, podcast land could have gotten to know Leah as well, as my three good friends here with me today did. Today, I'm going to use our stupid little platform to try to help you to do just that to get to know Leah. This is Beyond Yacht Rock Leah Songs. Beyond Yacht Rock. It's Beyond Yacht Rock. I'm Widow or Extraordinaire JD Riznar.
1: Hello, I'm Hollywood Steven. Um, impromptu babysitter
2: and deliverer of food, David. It's Hunter. JD's mom just waved at us. Hi. She's here too. Uh, if I
1: could back up for just a moment and talk about the song Alia, um, if I ever did my carjacker uh, genre of songs that rip off the cars, that would
2: probably be number one. That's a good one. If I ever did my. Spoiler bu- alert! If I ever did my Buddy Holly glasses genre, mm-hmm. that would have been in the top 10. Yeah, that one would do it. All right.
0: Uh, here so we, gotta, well, we, gotta... we invented the genre called Yacht Rock, so we like to throw a bone to Yacht Rock. We're sort of doing it this time. Steve, what are we listening to? <laughs>
2: We're listening. Well, two of us are throwing a bone, throw to Yacht Rock. <laughs> We're listening to
3: On My Own, the hit duet between Patti LaBelle. And Michael McDonald. <laughs> Who's that, you say? Why, it's Patti LaBelle, the former lead singer of LaBelle. Oh, oh. And oh, Michael that. McDonald, the former lead singer of the Doobie Brothers. Oh, and
0: he's the, good. And the future lead singer of McDonald.
3: <laughs> wrap your mind around that one, listeners. God, there he is. He's so good. Yeah. Here's my story about this song and how it relates into today's genre. So... I spent a big chunk of my 30s working the night shift, ruining my life, so I was never around. I didn't have much energy to maintain a good, healthy social life, you know, really really, even a shitty social life. And this was around the time that all my podcast chums were meeting and courting the young ladies they ended up marrying. And now they've all turned out well, but, you know, some of my other friend groups uh, around that time, I was witnessing that early 30s wave of, oh, shit, we're grownups now kind of weddings between folks who wanted to make babies before panic set in. And a few of those were the kind that make a fella go, oh boy, sure hope that one works out for the best. <laughs> so I had a very limited window to get a feel for who these ladies were that my friends were starting to commit themselves to. You know, you hope they're good for each other, that they really get each other. They allow each other to be the best versions of themselves that they can be. Because by this point in life, you've seen enough friends spend too much time in bad relationships, and you're a little nervous about the other ones getting stuck in the, the similar situations. So uh, we we used to hang out a lot at this karaoke bar in Palms called Boardwalk Eleven. Oh, place is great. Great place. Uh, I remember one year we went there for JD's birthday, and uh, some friend of the the KJ was randomly in town from like Seattle or something, and this guy. Went up and sang this unbelievable, note-perfect rendition of Separate Ways, Worlds Apart by Journey. Yep. We all went apeshit. It was like God himself had sent the angel of music to wish JD a happy birthday.
0: Yeah, Neil Sean was in the audience that night, and that guy would have gotten the Journey gig if he wasn't fat and old. hmm Instead, they had to go get the Filipino
3: guy off YouTube. The Steve, Steve, young Steve, Filipino uh, guy. Steve Filiperi. <laughs> 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 uh. So my fond early memory of J.D. and Leah is being at this karaoke bar, Boardwalk 11, and watching them do a duet on Patti LaBelle and Michael McDonald's On My Own, the hit duet. And we we all knew J.D. could do a a fucking Michael McDonald impression, for God's sake. Not really, but I can lip-sync his songs good. You were at least famous for it on the internet. Yes. Uh, Nobody, at least not that I'm aware of, nobody knew that Leah could do such an astonishingly accurate Patty LaBelle. And I'll never forget when she first opened her mouth and out came this raspy, breathy, throaty... So many times! <laughs> and I just busted out laughing and I thought, oh my god, these two are fucking perfect for each other. Yep. You, know, you don't want somebody who's gonna try to iron out all of JD's idiosyncrasies and enthusiasms. So not only does she have a personality, not only does she... Is she fun and talented and all that good stuff? She's clearly an active collaborator in one of those partners-in-crime setups that everyone on the dating apps allegedly wants to get into. Uh, so when those two decided to get married, I was very confidently, "Yes, yes, you should." Well, you should get have told married. us
0: that; we would have gotten married quicker. Um... One, the other thing you should know about Leah is that she was a fucking masterful lip syncer.
3: Ah, just like your husband.
0: <laughs> wow, well, she was way better than me. I'm pretty sure she was a huge watcher putting on the hits as a kid. Um, and if you want a real treat, she and I made a lip-sync video to this song right it's here. So listening to good. For no reason whatsoever. We just decided to make it one day, like ten years ago. You can find it on YouTube pretty easily. Uh, now, just watch when you watch that. Watch how I struggle to figure out the words of this song. And how Leah not only gets every lyric right, but every syllable of the vocal runs and every drop of emotion. It's extraordinary.
1: Yeah, and you were you were no slouch in that. If I recall you were wearing a denim shirt unbuttoned slightly past your navel.
0: No, I was on a... no, that's the that's the other one I made. Oh, I'm about well, to talk about that one. Anyway,
1: she blew you away.
0: Yeah. That's my um, point. I'm talking that you're talking about the badass video of New Year Waiting by George Michael and Aretha Franklin that we made for our friend Megan's wedding, Megan yeah. and Dan. Also good. Um she just knocks that one out of the park. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and she was up against your uh, bare chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not easy to stack up against. you got to you got, you take it up a notch for that. Um, I, I actually think the video we made is more entertaining than the actual video. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, you don't even have to know us. Uh, so that's not online yet. Maybe I'll put that on there one day. I, I'd lo- I'd love to yeah for
3: you to put that up just because I would yeah. like to watch it again because it's fucking hilarious. Do
1: the world a favor, JD.
3: Throw it online. Okay. Uh... Yeah. Steve, is it? Yeah, Rexa. Well, that's an interesting question, JD, because uh, we we rated this as yacht rock way back in Minnesota number nine. Uh, Hunter and I had it just barely on the boat in the mid fifties. I had fifty one. Steve had fifty four. Yes, yes, that's correct. Uh, JD, you gave it a forty five, and Dave sank it with a thirty five. Wow! If
2: without Dave's score, would have hit fifty between the three of us. So it it sounds like
1: to- you guys are ganging up on me to make it sound like I hate Leah. Maybe we,
0: <laughs> maybe we, <laughs> maybe can maybe do we a, are. Maybe we can do a re-rating someday. We'll put that in the re-rate mini-sode um, whenever that. But so happens. we're really, we're really throwing this one a bone here, yeah, big time.
3: But being extremely charitable, uh, I I found uh, three fun facts about this song, so that we can move on to more Leah stories. One fun fact: this was written by Burt Bacharach and Carol Bayer Sager, which I don't think we would have found significant back in minisode number nine. You know what?
0: Also a married couple. I didn't know that oh, until yeah. I, I heard an interview with Christopher Cross. Hmm.
1: Carol Baker-Sager and uh, Bert Backrack were uh, in
0: love and married. Yep. Huh.
1: I should have put them on... Uh, These guys probably fucked.
3: <laughs> Here's fun fact number two. This was originally recorded by Dionne Warwick for her 1982 album Friends, which we looked at for Women of Yacht, uh, but... Nothing from that album made the final cut in our show, and this song did not make the final cut for inclusion on that album. And fun fact number three this was the only number one pop hit of either of these singers' solo careers. <laughs>
1: Isn't that a kick in the pants?
3: Oh, it sure is.
2: It's that's, a
1: shame. That's like uh, Bob Seger getting his only number one with, with, with uh, "Shakedown,"
2: with "Shakedown" <laughs> written by uh, the Eagle. But this is—we're talking about pop songs, right? Yeah. So I have to imagine. Yeah, I didn't look at the R and B charts. I'm sure they. Place. I'm sure they've had other one, number ones. Mm-hmm.
0: You can get number ones in on the R and B charts easily because you're not up against Loggins.
2: Yeah, and Thriller. Oh, I
0: like this part. Yeah. All right, let's talk about what this show is going to be about today. Uh, I'm going to tell stories about my wife and her life with me, and my friends are going to be quiet and let me monologue or chime in with questions mm-hmm. or make uh, snide jokes or give sound effects at the most emotional moments. I uh, put the soundboard down. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're more than welcome to use it. I think we may need... Uh, To cut-in every now and then with a fart noise.
1: All right. Well, you know what? I might be
3: able to do that au natural, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, you might.
3: J.D., if you want, I can come up with some pedantic quibbles about whether the songs fit the the rules of the genre or not. Oh, please. Generate some conflict and really spark this episode to a new level. Yeah, when I've got
0: tears flowing down my face, I'm like, okay, let's move on to the next one. Hold on. I've got a bone to pick here with this one, J.D. i do not really like this one enough. Yeah, this wasn't... Uh also, I mean, you knew her, um, but I, this doesn't really remind me of her very
1: much. Also, I bought a uh, box of Kleenex that's in the middle of the table, mm-hmm. uh, and I did not oh, I did not buy that with our Dixon Denim funds, so you guys each owe me
0: 38 cents.
1: Okay. This got...
3: episode is brought to you by Puffs Plus Lotion. It's lotion Kleenex,
0: too, so yeah. we won't get chapped, really that, soft chapped noses. All right, so well, let's start at the beginning. Let's set the scene. 1970s, Twin Cities, Minnesota. Bands like this one, the Lewis Connection. We're making great soul and putting undiscovered guys named Prince on guitar and background vocals on songs like this one got to be something here. And Leah was born. Leah grew up with a hairdresser mother and a father who worked in a print shop. Her parents met at a dance 50 years into their and 50 years into their marriage they still go dancing together. Her dad is a Mexican and her mom's white parents were racist. <laughs> so she told her parents he was Italian. And made and gave him the last name of Lanza, inspired by her Mario Lanza albums. It wasn't until he wrote a check to pay them back for some money that he owed them that his Mexican last name was finally revealed. But at that point, they liked him.
3: Wait, did he know about this plan? I... Th- maybe... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not he, sure. Did he I'm not know? Not sure. to write, like, was he like, "Oh shit, I shouldn't write them a check. They'll find out the clever ruse." I don't know. Probably not. Or he may have been like,
0: "Forget it. Listen, I, I gotta give him this yeah. ten bucks. I got to." I yeah. was, and nobody has no cash app. Nobody back carries
1: there. ten dollars worth I of I cash. I don't have around. any. I
0: don't have any Dan Lanza checks.
1: <laughs> um, Dan Lanza's is a great name, though. I would, I would eat a steak at that restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> um.
3: That was for you, Hunter. Where was I? I like
0: Dan Lanza's. By that point, they liked him. They liked him. So Leah's parents were married in 1969. Uh, They had a son, then they had Leah, and then they had another son. Leah's dad's into classic cars and owns a 64 GTO. He also collects records and would put them on tape for the car. As parents' cars are are incubators for our musical tastes, she fell in love with Stevie Wonder, ELO, off-the-wall era Michael Jackson, on summer evenings in the GTO, going to the old-school drive-in restaurant for hamburgers and ice cream.
3: God, is that American. I know.
0: Um, Leah's thick, luscious, beautiful Mexican hair was her hairdresser mother's dream come true. As a little girl, her mother had her competing beauty pageants, this was a very big revelation to me, she shared it with a, with like this very, like gravely, it was very grave tone. Like it was just a few months into dating. Like, this she, is my
3: big deep dark. Yeah, secret. she treated
0: it like this is a. I hope you still like me moment. Yeah. Like I was in pageants as a kid. She never looked like um, John Bonet. Yeah, she never looked like that. Yeah, she wasn't all
1: dolled up to looked like a little whore.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was classy. Uh, or some pretty sweet jumpsuits. Um, and she was good at it. She won the national Little Miss Broadway competition one year. And they gave her a trophy taller than she was. She also won uh, the public access talent show Discover Rama and won a case of 100 White Castle hamburgers, which <laughs> wow. I think in 1982 would cost you about seven bucks. <laughs> Not a great prize. They told her it was just a pro <laughs> Pretend it's heavy.
1: So she could go and get up to 100. They didn't just give her 100 cooked burgers and like...
0: Yeah, basically they gave her a big case to, to pretend to, to hold on screen. Yeah, here
1: you go, future fatty.
0: <laughs> you ain't coming back next year and winning this, you cute little piece of garbage. I'm jealous. I'm, uh... What was her name? The host. It was... I don't know. Ian Delvecchio. Vecchio, <laughs> Del Vecchio discover Rama. That sounds like somebody your aunt's friends with. I know. She was an aunt.
1: You know, from the Delvecchios over on the Fifth Ward.
0: Uh, In high school, Leah moved on to starring in musicals. She entered college with more musical knowledge than the lifelong friends she was making there. And she was often frustrated when her friends ignored her recommendations for the hot college rock band or a classic soul jam no one had ever heard of, only to have them pick up on it once some handsome boy turned them on to the soul. Mm-hmm. Leah continued to be her own tastemaker and build her own world around music, fashion, art. Held it all close to her chest, though. She's never braggy about her excellent taste in everything. No. Uh, she you moved. to let l- people discover it on their own. Yeah. yeah. And then go like, I, I knew that first. But yeah. I didn't Tell them.
1: Sure. That's 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 what being punk rock's all about. Yeah.
0: Um, she moved to LA for a job. She grew bored of just nine to 5-ing as a graphic uh, print graphic designer. So she started to develop a magazine called Dickie, The Scent of Bad Taste. The magazine would cover people passionate about questionable things, from the folks in Tennessee doing an annual recreation of the Thriller video, to air guitar champions, to some idiots in Los Angeles making a web show about some of the music she'd hear riding around in her dad's GTO. Uh, That was us. Mm. (laughs) Oh! Oh, okay. Steven needs that explained. It is.
1: Yeah. Wait, this if, was bad If taste? he didn't explain it, this was he was not explain.
0: Um, she had her friend interview me, and then when she went to Dave's house to pick up some pictures and spent the evening drinking with Hunter and Dave. Uh, I wanna, I want to interject
1: here, because there's more to the story than that. She came over to ask us questions and get pictures, and we plied her with white wine and ended up talking all night. And I said, you've got to come to my birthday party. She showed up at the birthday party, and I kind of forgot who she was or that I'd invited her. <laughs> <laughs> but she brought me, that was my 30th birthday, and uh, the theme was the 30th anniversary of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Um, and, and I missed that party because I was working. You were nights. working. Uh, yeah, Duke got stabbed at that party. Um, oh, yeah. But she gave me uh, a little framed uh, picture in a little pewter frame of the Edmund Fitzgerald and that is part of my work kit and has and still sits on every desk of every job I have.
0: That's very sweet. And I think I refer to your birthday party as your dumb boat party here in my copy. Probably. Um, well, Yacht Rock
1: was like at its peak at that point and I uh, wanted to do something different. So uh, you picked Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah.
0: But that party, that's where I met her for the first time face-to-face. We'd emailed a couple times. Um... We chatted. No big deal. We chatted some more on AOL Messenger. Hello? I remember 2005. that. 2005. I remember that. Uh, we chatted a lot for months, actually, until one day uh, she made me ask her out. And then we fell in love. We got married on her birthday, and we had kids. And then on my daughter's third birthday in 2017, she was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. One year, one month, and one week later, She died.
1: That was perfect uh, timing
0: for my uh, soundboard. I missed that. Wait, here we go. It's okay. I covered for you. Bummer. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about it. Uh, So that's Leah's story told through the facts. With a big hole where our relationship was, because that's what I'm going to fill in with today's countdown. Uh, I think the music she loved can tell you a lot about her. So I'm going to do my best to introduce you to one of my favorite people of all time. This genre of music she brought with her from her childhood, it's music she gave to me, music I gave to her and that we shared. The songs we'll talk about in this episode make up not only Leah's personal genre to the best I could do one, they also become like a musical eulogy to someone whose musical tastes I've always admired. And you know, Leah didn't understand why Uh, it was so hard to have good conversations with most people in LA, so she really appreciated you three guys. You're you're unselfconscious, you're curious listeners, warm dudes. You'd always hold your own in any conversation about music or anything at all. So she always enjoyed spending time with you, so I'm glad you could be with me to celebrate her
3: through music. I also don't understand why it's so hard to have good conversations with most people in LA. It's a mystery, isn't it? Yeah. You go go to any other city. Yeah.
0: Get into some drinks. People, it's like the conversation flows. People nah. have interests.
2: Nah. I was in Portland a couple weeks ago. Talked to everyone in the world. Yeah, Back in L.A., meh. You just need to have more conversations about them. Or, oh, in L.A., yeah. Or in L.A., it's more, yeah. about, just it's just more talk about, about them.
1: It's more about listening. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so Leah also begged me to keep going uh, on with the podcast after she got sick, even though I wanted to quit. Because she really, really, really liked listening to us. Aww. Crazy. She was crazy. Boy, man. Like all you people. So hopefully uh, she would enjoy this one. I hope I don't fuck it up. To the countdown! 10. Pulled out uh, some old bumpers from our old uh, wedding DJ, oh. Chuck Tomlinson, made yeah. us some bumpers.
1: Ones. Yeah, I was curious what you were going to do with
0: the bumpers. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of ideas, and then oh. I ran out of time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was
1: kind of hoping that I'll be from the movie Cobra, but I kind of hope that about everything.
0: Yeah. Uh, most people in our generation are into Thriller, or even Bad. Off the Wall was always an afterthought to me, maybe not even a thought at all until I met Leah. This is her favorite Michael Jackson record. Leah's definitely a child of the 70s. Her aura was 100% 70s. Her clothes, her musky perfumes, the way she moved. Her uh, collection of weird owl art. Yeah, I mean, we put owls on our wedding invitations and then they just fly. Yeah,
1: and then everybody started yeah. buying you owl shit. Like, I, I still can't go to a thrift store
0: without seeing an owl and thinking of Leah. Eh, you should buy it for me. Yeah, Make a gigantic pile of owls in the middle of my house.
1: Yeah, sounds like a good idea.
0: The old uh, owl pile. But, um, you know, you take a look at Leah, you spend some time with her. Any music fan worth her snot would have pegged her as an off-the-wall girl. And this song from Off the Wall, called I Can't Help It, compliments Leah's love of Stevie Wonder nicely because it was written, co-written by Stevie Wonder, which any music fan worth their boogers can hear when they listen to it. Her love for Stevie was probably more intense than her Michael Jackson fandom, but I like Michael Jackson more, so we're playing this song that combines the two, and not just playing Do I Do with its crappy rapping.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: I love Stevie Wonder, but that one's a little bit dire. Yeah, kind of miss the mark. Yeah. Um... One time I saw Stevie
0: Wonder was with her, and it happened to be the day Michael Jackson died. We were in Montreal, and Stevie opened the Montreal Jazz Festival with a free concert in the streets of Montreal for 100,000 people. Uh, He kicked off a set with this song, and then he paid tribute to Michael Jackson a couple of other times. And I had to look up... I remember he paid... He paid tribute to him in a weird way, so I had to like look up a review of the concert to remember how. how. Mm-hmm. Instead of like playing Michael's songs, he would play recordings of Michael's songs, and his band would jam along to it. Huh? It was weird. Uh, but it was a free concert, yeah, so whatever. Leah's so what um, from the Twin Cities, so every time we went yeah. to see her parents, we would look for an excuse to go to First Avenue Prince's Club. We finally went to the anniversary. We finally got there on the anniversary of Michael Jackson's death. When First Avenue had an all-Michael Jackson dance party, and holy shit, was that ever awesome. That was a blast. We had so much fun. And my advice to America, go to an all-Michael Jackson dance party in a club at least once in your life. You will be shocked at how broad his catalog is and how it can keep you dancing.
1: I would also recommend go to First Avenue if you can, because that's where they film Purple Rain, and it's looks exactly the same. <laughs> it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah.
3: It's a great club. Uh, Steve, do you have any issues with this one? Well, it seems to fit the genre okay. I think uh, maybe you could have done the original Stevie Wonder version instead just to make it a little more true to life. Did, he, you rec-
0: did he record a version?
3: Oh, I don't
2: know. I
3: don't, just... I don't think he did. I looked for one. I looked for one, but it's your worst
2: quibble ever, Steve. <laughs> I know. You get your I just, fa-
3: I'm quibbling off the top of my head. I haven't researched my quibbles. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs>
0: Nine. Summer Nights, oh, John Jesus Travolta Jesus. and Olivia
2: Newton-John. Good God, <laughs> this one I don't like.
0: <laughs> no, but but it does
1: it does. Oh, so now of, you have quibbles. Oh yeah yeah. It Le- does kind of sum up sum up her goofiness and. Oh my God.
0: Well, so Leah kept her grown-up singing talent secret. You know, she sang and danced when she was a little girl, making circuits and the the pageants and the the, the retirement homes with the Osmond Shriners. Uh. But uh, she uh, she really surprised everyone when she when she tried out for the musical Grease at Henry Sibley High School. Everyone in her family was shocked. You can't sing? What are you doing that for? Her mom said. <laughs> and she landed the role of Rizzo. And later, the next musical, she got one of the leads in Anything Goes. She's such a Rizzo, though. Leah's such yeah, a Rizzo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Grease became... So the movie Grease was one that she watched all the time as a kid as well, and Grease became one of those terrible movies with good music that Leah loved. Um, and actually, this one wasn't as bad a movie as the ones that she like usually are, <laughs> but which is great because it was on heavy rotation in
1: our house. Absolutely, I. There is not a doubt in my mind she showed it to Junior. And on the day your daughter was born, you probably called about fifteen people that didn't answer the
0: phone. Fifteen people. We will be by our phone day and night, right? Yeah. Before you got to me,
1: and it was four in the morning, and I was still up. <laughs> so I came over and hung out with Junior, and all he wanted to do was watch Grease.
0: Hey, Junior, how was how was David as a babysitter? David, David, I watched Grease, and David fell asleep. He slept a long time. And then what else did you do with Junior?
1: Yeah. Uh, I gave him my iPad for a while, mm-hmm. and also uh, it was the first diaper I ever changed. Uh-huh. And he was four at the On time. he four-year-old. He was
0: a lay- So that's a man
1: poop. That was a man... size. Yeah. I don't throw around the term man-size load lightly, mm-hmm. but um, I will tell you it's weird to wipe somebody's ass when you can have a conversation <laughs> with them about the procedure and how you're doing it wrong.
3: <laughs> ah, so he's got quibbles, too.
0: Yeah, he accused me of lingering. I don't...
3: Uh, <laughs> not, not true.
0: So, Summer Nights, sung by D- Newton John and Travolta, became our go to sing along to annoy our children at home. That's uh, the
2: perfect thing for it. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Leah had a great ear, and I have a terrible ear. She'd try to teach me the harmony parts, and I'd always slip into the melody, just go way out of tune. But this song, this song we could nail. Uh, our other attempts at harmonizing included more than words by extreme. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday it was another favorite. <laughs> um, I really miss harmonizing poorly with her. I never got a chance to be good at it with her.
3: Did you ever try the break from Sloop John B by the Beach Boys?
0: No. I feel like there's some other ones too, but I don't remember right now.
1: Yeah, I feel like I did Just Like Paradise with her once or twice, and it was the same thing. It was like, Dave, you're not, and I was like, I know.
3: Uh, that oh, that Travolta does. Okay, anyway, moving on. Uh, Steve, any quibbles with this one? I think I think they've already been registered by the other fellows All here right. at the table. <laughs> yeah.
2: Welcome to my life. It, when I watched this movie, I never—I i It wasn't—I was way too old that I realized this. This didn't did. It was the late '70s that that movie came out. Yeah. I, like I thought, that movie came out in the fifties. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Well, and, that's the, uh, the it talent wasn't, of uh, Barry Gibbs. And it wasn't as uh, fun as Back to the Future.
0: So yeah, it's one of those crazy like. No. It's like us making a movie that took place in. 1998 today. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: my uh, During my wedding vows, um, my wife brought up the location of where we were getting married, and she said, many people don't know, but this is where they used crew parking for the filming of Greece. <laughs> 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 Just to make fun of me.
2: <laughs> eight.
0: Frank Stallone. Yeah. Far from over. Coming in at number eight. Um... Good for him. Yeah, and I guess you could blame nostalgia for Leah's questionable taste in movies. Uh, she and her brother w- brothers would sit around and watch the same terrible movies over and over again. And those movies continued uh, in her modern home with her husband and two kids. But all they all quickly found a. Um, but right, right here, these all quickly found a soft spot in my heart. Bra- oh yeah, I, lo- I grew to love all these movies. Yeah, that she liked. breaking. Breaking 2, The Whiz, The Jazz singing, and of course, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, Staying Alive. See, there was very much a, a
1: culture of this sort of thing in the early days of the VCR. You only had a handful of tapes, and you would set them to, uh, like, what, LP instead of uh, EP or SP? Yeah. And record, uh, so like, three you, movies So on you that? could put three movies on one. long you, play. You, you, yeah. You only had so many tapes. Um, and you just watch the same ones over and over you come home from school and you put in the same tape like for me it was Daryl, Ice Pirates Empire Strikes Back and Breaking 2 The Electric Boogaloo
0: yeah it's pretty standard rotation yeah so when
1: I met Leah we talked a lot about Breaking 2 yeah it's such a good movie oh yeah Save Our
0: uh... oh what? shit Save
1: miracles. yeah Miracles but it was Save Our uh... they had an SOS it was Save Our oh shit I guess I'm gonna have to watch it again
0: Save Our Stuff
1: yeah Over there in uh, Lincoln Heights.
0: So this is my favorite Greasy Me Bob-Up, Frank Stallone, with Far From Over, (laughs) from from the movie Stand Alive, directed by his brother Sylvester. Mm -hmm. And this is the one movie Sylvester Stallone directed that he did not appear in, other than a wordless Uh, cameo.
2: Yep. Okay. Yeah, he turns and... Yeah. The greatest cameo of all time. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Fuck
1: you, Hitchcock. That's what that said.
0: Um, the movie follows John Travolta's Saturday Night Fever Guy as he tries to make it in a Broadway dance troupe. This movie had it all. Dance montages, asshole choreographers that fucked the love interest, headbands, and the greatest ending in movie sequel history. Yeah. Where Saturday Night Fever Guy wins at the end, wins the girl, gives his, the girl who who slighted him a dirty look, and tells his girlfriend, you know what I want to do? What's that, Tony? Strut. And then he busts out the door, staying alive by the Bee Gees place for the first time in the movie, and he recreates his iconic strut from the first film. Only this time, he is somebody. It's fucking Tony Manero. <laughs> he comes with this freeze frame, big cheesy smile. It's so good. One Middle of Times chop. Square. So He can when- have as many pork chops as he wants. <laughs> when Lee and I were briefly living in New York her friend Jessica came to visit and she and Leah recreated that freeze frame at the end of the movie and it's one of my favorite pictures of Leah, just a big cheesy smile on her face in the middle of Times Square. Just like Saturday Night Fever guy. Um, And not a lot of people know this, but Leah had legit dreams of moving to New York and becoming a dancer on Broadway. She was a really, really good dancer. She excelled at it. She taught it to kids in her teen years. I have no doubt that she had, you know, with with the right people around her, the right encouragement, she would have made it. But because she didn't, I got her. So suck my dick, Broadway. Thanks for the wife.
2: You know, I never... I never got to... I didn't know she was such a huge fan of this. Well, I think I did, but it was too late. But um, did I ever tell you about my leather jacket? no yeah i never got the chance to tell leah about it so i bought a i bought i was in the, i wanted to get a leather jacket so i kept buying leather jackets off of ebay for yeah. cheap i would find the cheapest leather jackets i could find and the the i got had a had one shitty one that came in and i ended up i think uh it was too small i ended up giving giving it the lane but the next one i bought I put it on and I realized when I looked in the mirror that it was Tony Manero's leather jacket from <laughs> from uh, from Staying Alive. Stayin Alive, yeah, it, the exact one. And uh, it makes you want to strut. Do you still and have it? I still have it. Yeah, is that the one that we all wore to our uh, our, our leather jacket party? Evening no, I have a bunch. Yeah. That one's only comes out on special occasions <laughs> No, you wore your Burt Reynolds jacket that night. <laughs> I only wore that I wore that one once and I got really drunk because I was so excited for having uh Tony Manero's jacket on you know, it's amazing how much
1: better of a movie staying alive is than Saturday Night Fever
2: It's at least way more watchable.
1: Yeah. Well Saturday Night Fever is really tough to get through. I, I maybe know, maybe it was good in 1977 but oh man, is it a rough watch.
0: Yeah, I don't know if the reviewers at Cai do Cinema would agree with you, but uh, yeah, yeah. Looking okay. at though.
1: Yeah, maybe I was born too late.
0: Seven. All right, Disco Tex and his sexolets get dancing. <laughs> it's about time. Thank God we
3: fit these guys in the show.
0: Leah was wonderful, but she wasn't the most organized person in the world. Her 2003 blue Hyundai Elantra was littered with mix CDs that she made from her work computer.
1: I remember that car.
0: Songs packaged together in different specific themes that she'd come up with. Sort of like a group of fellas I know like to do. Talking about you guys, Steve. Oh, Oh, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. yeah. Uh, But the CDs, they were all scratched up and covered in little bits of gum. None of them worked that well so when they would work they would introduce me to little gems like this one it's disco text and the sexo let's get dancing it's fun it's outrageous it's a little naughty and catchy as hell i love this song yeah
1: wasn't this in a simpsons episode
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like the the halftime show the happy time glee kids yeah.
2: right for everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> something like that yeah
0: um, it was a top 10 song that went to number one on the disco charts but i never heard it until Leah played it uh, uh, for me on a skipping CD in her messy car. God, she really made you a lot cooler. She's she really, really did. Oh my
2: God! I mean, it was yeah, yeah. night and day.
0: I know. Okay, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like she chewed me up and for a couple like a, days and spit like me out. a up. wad of gum. Yeah, she had her Spank ashtray. On the back of her ashtray was full of dried <laughs> wads of gum <laughs> that she took out, <laughs> just putting her ashtray. This is a big, hard thing. We were thinking about selling a car one, so I had to take that, and I, I just boiled the whole ashtray to get the gum out.
1: That's a total Rizzo move,
0: by the way. Yeah, just total Rizzo. smacking your gum, just, yeah. like,
1: pushing it into a...
0: Um... Oh, I should be horrified that I told that story, but whatever. I can tell the stories I want to! Um... <laughs> you sure
3: can, Paul Lind.
0: <laughs> Speaking of Paul Lind, um. Okay, so I uh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I make. I'm, I talk about our messy car. I've always admit my cars are no less
2: messy. Agreed. Yeah. Um. So my car smells like vinegar right now. Yeah. And and farts <laughs> <and> <laughs> for no reason. Vinegar and farts. Yeah.
0: Um. So you're in good company. So that Elantra is a special car to me. We, we took it on our first road trip together. Uh, just It's a stick shift. And we took it to a wedding in Big Sur up the hills and and, uh, b- 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 and the windy roads and stuff. And I drove it. I'm not very good at driving a stick. We decided to take, take the car all the way up to the Bay Area after the wedding so I could meet her good girlfriends for the first time. Uh, and on the way back, I burned out the clutch late at night outside of Los Olivos. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> I know. It it cost her a thousand dollars I don't remember if I paid for it or not (laughs) Not I think I did or split it or something Uh, She was great She never blamed me It was my fault I'm sure Oh my Yeah Um, She was starting a new job the next day It was a super stressful situation Uh, But we still had a great time It was our first stressful thing together yeah, that's when we knew for sure we were right for each other yeah uh, but back to this song Disco Tex he's not a guy Disco Tex isn't an actual guy he's a guy with another fake persona who called himself Monty Rock the uh, 3rd he had previously called himself Monty Rock the 2nd he would go on to reinvent himself as Monty Rock the 4th etc etc he was on Johnny Carson all the time he was like on Johnny Carson like 90 times uh, he also appeared as the DJ in Saturday Night Fever everything is connected wow Unbelievable. Mm-hmm.
3: So what you're saying is that the group named Disco Tex and the Sex Olets is a group named like Hootie and the Blowfish.
0: Exactly. Although right. these, these girls singing may be the Sex olettes.
3: Right, uh, we all assume that the backing band is Lowfish, but Darius Rucker is not technically Hootie right. according to him. So yeah. what you're saying is Discotex is the same kind of dude. Exactly. Except
0: I don't think he'd be like mad like like Darius Rucker. is and people call him Hootie. I don't call me how Hootie. would you mistake Urr. me
3: for Hootie? Well, why yeah, would you why in
0: the world would you think I'm Hootie? I don't
1: I don't think anyone's going to get upset if you call him Disco Tex.
3: No, I would not get upset if you called me Disco Tex. Yeah. Or Hootie. Yeah. Call him Discotex. He's fine with it. Oh, I just realized Discotex is the plural. Discotex. That play on words just now registered. Me too. Thanks, Discotex. Oh my gosh. I I now
1: just got that. Did you get it yet, Dave? I got it when I first read it.
0: (laughs)
3: Okay. I had to hear it out loud several times. Uh, Uh, What's the joke about sex outlets? That's just a sweet fucking name.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Rhymes with text. I'll come back to it if I can think of something else.
0: It's French for deli. Deli toilet. Six. All
1: right,
0: this song represents Leah's love for neo soul. This is Raphael Sadiq with Staying in Love. I think we might have talked about Raphael on the show before. Yeah, I
3: put him in faux town.
0: Yeah. Um, Isn't he a Tony? Yeah, he's a Tony. Yeah, one, one of the Tonys in Tony, Tony, yep. Tony. Yep.
2: yep. Isn't Neo Soul the genre of music you like to give people shit about when they yadder at it? Yeah. This,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is Neo Soul. Yeah. Yeah, it's not yacht rock. I like Neo Soul. It's so far from yad rock, though. Um... I don't know I think he said something about a boat or maybe he's Canadian <laughs> um, yeah this song is kind of like a mainstay on like KCRW like our sometimes freeform MPR NPR station yeah. where all the DJs turn into music supervisors for indie films um, so Leah turned me on to the neo-soul genre and while I never got deeply into it I can't hear it without thinking of her this is a kind of cool easy music she'd put on in the house to set the mood for her presence, it was new, but it seemed like it was from the old. <laughs> 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 it was kind of like, professional the same, writer. Yeah, the same way that Leah looked and smelled. Um. Oh, not old in a bad. Not like she's she wasn't musty. <laughs> oh, she, sm- yeah. she smelled. She smelled a
1: Yeah, yeah. She wore a lot of high karate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I have a bottle of high karate in Old English at home. Really? Yeah, we should, it stinks. <laughs> yeah. sp- it probably spilled in your car. <laughs> yeah, That's why it, smells it smells like, like vinegar. Smells
1: <laughs> <off>. <laughs> um, my, my first memory of this song, like when you lived on, uh, I don't, was it Haynes? Whatever the, the street was, when you lived over by me. Yeah, um, Hay- yeah Haines, Haines, Hugo. Haynes. There you um, go. Like every time I came over to your house, there was music playing. Heinz Drive. Heinz, that was it. Um, but every time I came over, there was music playing, and I remember hearing the song for the first time there. Yeah. I was like, What is this? And you're like, Oh, Leah put it on. I was yeah. Like, yeah, but what is it? It's
0: a bunch of the trash she likes. Yeah.
1: Your shitty dog was barking. Uh, more on
0: that later. More on that later. Uh, so, yeah, other, you know, we'd listen to Mayor Hawthorne. There was Aloe Black with that song. I need a dollar, a dollar, a dollar. That's what I need. For some reason, we sang that song all the time for years. It became like a relationship meme. which just like, I need a dollar, a dollar. Yeah, okay. We just seem to say it all the time. We had a few of those relationship memes. Another one, um, one of my favorites, came from a long drive to Vegas. Uh, we played this game. Where you take the first line of a song and sing it for the rest of the song. So Tom Petty's Don't Do Me Like That became, I was walking with a friend of mine. I was walking with a friend of mine. I was walking with a friend of mine. Walking with a friend of mine. Walking with a. It's stupid. Walking <laughs> with a friend yeah. of mine. Yeah. Uh, but for years after that, just out of the blue, one of us just blurted out, Walking with a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Another one of our relationship memes was saying, uh, careful. In a Neil Diamond voice, and one of us would stumble. Yep. Uh, Dave will tell you more about where that came from in a minute. So, in conclusion, this song says falling in love can be easy, staying in love is too tricky, but I say it's not too tricky. You just need a lot of dumb relationship memes and inside jokes. It comes from just hanging out with the lady you like. Absolutely.
3: Any quibbles, Steve? No, you, d- you, didn't, you didn't repeat my song from Photown, so it's a great choice. Oh, okay, and what Raphael Sadiq's song did you do from Photown? Um, oh, what the fuck was it? Uh, this
2: this is an Aaliyah song. This is uh, a Photown song? <laughs> <JD>? <laughs> the,
3: the one with the bass, like, do,
0: do. Oh, doo, yeah. Doo, 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 doo. Yeah, do, 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 boop-a-do. I know that one. Yeah, yeah that that do, boop-a-do is what it's mm-hmm. called.
1: Alright Here it comes You ready? It's coming It's gonna hit It's gonna hit hard <clears throat> Such a good song oh, I wanna wait for it It's coming Go ahead, wait
3: Wait for it Love That Girl Was that song I used Thank you
0: You're really, you're really making us wait, Dave I know
1: oh, I love this song so much I'm already tearing up. Hello. Yeah. I I sent you guys to a concert a couple weeks before your wedding. Uh, Neil Neil Diamond came to the Hollywood Bowl back in October 2008, and I gave you two some pretty decent tickets as an early wedding present.
0: Phenomenal. Right behind the fancy boxes.
1: Yeah. And I I still have the thank you email that Leah sent me, and I wanted to read it because it's in her voice and her sense of humor comes through, and you also get a sense of what it was like to engage in a casual exchange with her. The email she sent me was entitled, A Heartlit Thank You. Oh, David, thank you so much for... <laughs> i <I'm>
0: just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to say... I was
2: going to do that bit.
0: <laughs> I mean, You know, since she died, a lot of her friends have been sending me emails she sent her, and I forgot about this, but she writes emails in the coolest way. She yeah. doesn't capitalize a thing. No and that's yeah i don't know there's something cool about it yeah but she does capitalize my name because she shows her husband the respect. proper respect he deserves yeah i'm sure
1: she sent it from the kitchen uh she wrote oh david thank you so much for giving jd and i the neil diamond experience the seats were awesome and insanely closer than the seats we usually have sorry <laughs> yeah cheap cheap ass i didn't even have to look at the monitor no time delay Neil was perfectly gravelly so loving yet kind of surly at the times at one point he walked through the crowd half singing half uttering phrases like I love it or
0: careful yeah like somebody st- somebody stumbled he saw them stumble and he stopped his song and went careful careful we never stopped saying it I'd make her so ba- so mad when she'd really hurt herself like she stubbed her toe really bad and go ow what the fuck ow and i go careful. careful oh she'd get so mad at no me. you do
1: that to me Yes, yeah. I, I picked it up I, um highlights the America Encore where I was clearly the most excited the faux Italian restaurant set for You Don't Bring Me Flowers, Neil telling some teen to sit down and shut up for walking around in the orchestra pit during his opening (laughs) low light if you could even call it that the slideshow of Neil Diamond's childhood during Brooklyn Roads because it conflicts with my preferred illusion that Neil Diamond is in fact Jewish cantor (laughs) Jess Robin from the Jazz Singer and Lawrence Olivier is his dad. Three thumbs up. Thanks again.
0: That's three thumbs up from her. It's not like I
1: only gave it one thumbs up. No, you didn't even acknowledge it. Um, (laughs) I went the following night and her story checked out. It was a fantastic show. Uh, JD, you told me the story that I'm probably going to fuck up. That on an early date uh, to the beach, you guys tracked down the the filming location of Neil's lady friend's house in Venice. Um, I know it well, and unfortunately, like Leah, it's no longer no
0: longer there. Yeah, but you can see the site. This is a fun thing about movies in Los the shot in Los Angeles. L. A. has street signs that have the block number. Yep. So, um, and it's clear as day in this movie. Neil Diamond comes back from his country music sabbatical to find his love Molly on the beach with a baby he never knew that she was pregnant with. Uh, Over the shot of Molly and Neil Diamond Jr., was the street sign clear as day, block address. So we found the, you know, we found where the house was, but it was a. Different, stupid, modern house now. We did the mm-hmm. same thing with Miracles from Breaking 2, the same yeah. way. as like you could see some street signs in the neighborhood, and then we used Google Maps yep. and found it, and it's still there. Yeah. It's, not, it's not painted colorful anymore, no, but it's no, still it's there. No, no, it's
1: over uh, by the uh, DMV in Lincoln Heights. You, you, know,
0: you can go have a telethon to save it if you want.
1: You know, that's today. basically a big part of my job.
0: Yeah, <laughs> looking at street signs in movies. And-
1: yep. Uh, well, even though Neil didn't play the song that night, I know it was one of Leah's favorites and one of mine. Um, as you know, we've known each other for a long time, and as we grow older and have more adult responsibilities, you know, it'd be like a couple months uh, between Lee and I seeing each other. But when I did, we'd just be like, "Hello," and pick up right where we left off. It was no hello, <laughs> yeah, hello. Uh, there was no awkwardness. There's no forced conversation. Just hello, and on to whatever bullshit we we talk about. I never hear any song off of this album again, or probably any Neil Diamond song without thinking of her. and that's that's fine because they're both pretty great.
2: I hope Leah didn't hate me for arguing against Neil Diamond in the Neil punk rock versus Neil Diamond episode of Beyond Yacht Rock.
1: I well, at the same time, the first uh, you were playing a role, and the first time I saw Neil Diamond in l a, it was you and me. Um, a friend of mine was waiting for a table in a fancy Beverly Hills restaurant uh, when Neil Diamond came in, and the maitre d' greeted him, like, he comes there a lot, and it's like, oh, hello, Mr. Diamond, to which he responded with a gravelly, hello. However, my friend makes up a lot of bullshit, so who knows if it's true.
0: Neil Diamond was a big part of our New Year's tradition at our house. We'd always put on this... Neil Diamond concert live from Australia it's the first concert he did after like doing a touring sabbatical for a couple of years and there's this interview with him with his, which is amazing the guy is so egotistical and he's just smoking a cigarette through the whole thing just answering these questions like a, like a piece of shit just a cocky guy who thinks he's the most important guy in the world it's so good he's wearing like a, like a v-neck sweater with his chest yeah. hair coming out it's great so Neil Diamond was a big part of our lives. You ever see Neil Diamond with The uh, the Last Waltz?
1: No. Like He comes out and he's like, I'm, a, I'm only going to play one song. Because everybody else is playing all these songs, mm-hmm. like multiple songs. He's like, I'm only going to play one song. But it's going to be a good one. <laughs> he's a smooth guy. Fuck you to everybody else playing multiple songs. I'm Neil Diamond.
0: Uh, 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 hope you're doing well, Neil, with yeah. your Parkinson's. Uh, uh, thanks Dave. Bummer. Thanks oh. for the tickets. Yeah, they were good. Thanks for careful. Yeah. You know why I gave them to you?
1: Wedding present. He couldn't go. Couldn't go. No, nah, I got better tickets.
0: I <laughs> 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 was second row. <laughs> 5. Speaking of Hollywood Bowl concerts. Um, this is a, this is a song from another, another terrible movie Leah loved Xanadu <laughs> oh god I think she showed filmed me at, filmed
1: at the Palladium the roller rink oh. in Xanadu Palladium right here in LA um, if you're into film locations, wow in this episode let's talk about more film locations
0: she showed me half of this movie once and then she was like oh, oh. this is worse than I remember but this song balls out awesome so on our first date Leah picked me up in that blue Hyundai from my apartment in Playa del Rey her scratched-up ELO CD was on the stereo, which was appropriate because ELO is kind of spacey and has a spaceship artwork on their albums, and we were headed off for blue drinks at the nearby Encounters restaurant. Encounters was a space-themed restaurant in that theme building at LAX. It looks like a spider. Uh, it makes the song even more appropriate because we were at LAX watching people come and go from around the world. <laughs> it's ELO around the world. All over the world. I'll tell you that uh, from
1: all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> that building is one of the great, uh, last great contributing works of iconic LA architect Paul Williams. And I can go oh, into- the
0: Muppet, the guy. Then he went on to write songs for the Muppets.
1: No, different Paul Williams. Oh. Uh, Bugsy Malone. I can I can go into great detail about Paul Williams if you want. But oh. maybe that's maybe that's for my uh,
0: history of LA architectural podcast. We it's funny that uh, architect Paul Williams was uh, was a black architect. He was a black man. Yeah, in and, the 20s. And famous Paul Williams is probably the whitest guy ever born in the history of like, pre-Hollywood people, Steve America.
1: People <laughs> knew Paul Williams was this amazing architect. They'd go to his office and they'd find out he was black. And he like would make jokes like, how many words could they say? before they got out of my office he actually learned to write upside down mm-hmm. because he couldn't sit on the same side of the table as white people wow. and like he would write upside down across from them I love Paul Williams you ever see me on the street, ask me about Paul Williams
0: someday you'll find it the rainbow connection And then he architecture wrote the soundtrack to without John. racism and you
1: and then he wrote the soundtrack to Jaws
0: <laughs> oh wow um, okay, so, date at the theme building. And Encounters, which is now closed, which is great, because a year later we went back for our date anniversary, and we had actually had dinner there. mm mm-hmm. Not Sh- good. Terrible and Awful super food. expensive. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah, it's basically airplane food. Yeah. Um, so after drinks, uh, where Leah established herself as a very cute and competent conversationalist, we headed to the parking lot to get in her blue Elantra. Uh, her passenger door would only unlock with the key. She had to go around and unlock it with the key if I were to, so when she was, uh, so when she came over to unlock it, she kissed me. Oh, solid move. Yeah, solid move by her. I would have just gone, lurk, 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 all night. Yeah. Uh, like I was doing on chat for months. Uh, so we went back to my place. We made out while listening to records, probably more ELO. But we didn't bone that night because she had to go home and feed her stupid dog. Oh, such a stupid dog. Probably a good move, ladies. Made me curiouser and want a second date. And actually, the one time I thought about breaking up with Leo, we were having a fight because we were going to move in together, and she wouldn't let me put up my sweet poster of a, of a hot blonde in a, in a camouflage bikini hunting for <laughs> ducks and drinking Michelob or whatever. <laughs> or Miller Lite. <laughs> That's a good reason. Yeah, and I was like, Oh, I can't deal with this man. I can't settle down. I thought about well, I think we broke up for like eight hours and then I was like, Oh man, I'm gonna miss her dog. I'm wow. gonna make this work. So he was a magical little guy. Yeah. <laughs> Made both of us make good decisions. Um, is this a, okay, no? Yeah. Or was I a fucking didn't bone her? She was a fucking sprude. Sorry, babe.
2: This dude belongs to Michelob. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just want to say that I, I never really gave ELO a chance until... You, JD, you started listening to ELO. Yeah. And I, and I knew whenever you were doing anything different and cool, it was because of Leah. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I went... Tin Man has a heart. So I went.
2: uh, If 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 Leah really likes this band, I need to give them a really good shot. And so I did. Now I like ELO. But to be fair to me, Mister Lame, until I met
0: Leah, I had an ELO poster in my first Hollywood apartment years before I met Leah. I ordered it on eBay. I had it hanging up. I loved ELO for many, many years. JD, there was things
2: I noticed about you that didn't come up until after Leah. Okay. Post Leah. Like how you uh, gave some uh, not Survivor, um, ah, Journey? No, not Journey. Uh, who's, who's no there? Journey was there from the Foreigner. Giveaway. Foreigner, yeah. You gave Foreigner a chance after Leah. She 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 made you less angry about <laughs> Journey <laughs> about Foreigner just being a Journey ripoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. I, I have more of those, but ELO was a big one. She was like turtle wax on my soul.
0: <laughs> there's something good there. It just had to be shined up. Um, okay, so... Oh, so, back to the Hollywood Bowl. One of the best concerts I ever attended was Jeff Lindsay yellow there at the Hollywood Bowl in September of 2016. Just a dynamite show. It's one of those shows where you've forgotten how good the band's catalog is, and then there's the band right there reminding you. Uh, and this is one of Leah's favorite ELO songs So when they started playing it The whole place got on their feet And that's when these two yahoos Tried to squeeze by us And argue with the people next to us That, that were their, those were their seats <laughs> And Leah was just like Those aren't your seats Get the fuck out of the way This is my favorite song It's the one song I was waiting for uh, She was tough when she had to be but, it was a lot, yeah, but a lot of times it was in her imagination uh, one of my favorite idiosyncrasies of hers was when she'd be telling stories about someone she was mad at, like a boss at work or something. She'd be like, "I was like, shut the fuck up! Don't tell me that shit." And I was like, "You said that to him?" And then she was like, "No, but I was thinking of it." <laughs> but but then out loud, I said, "Okay." <laughs> um, and I should I shouldn't do this. This is a bummer because Leah told me not to. But like, yeah. But you can't help it. You can't help it. I think of like those memories of that ELO concert in 2016. And I go, shit, she had cancer. We had no idea. And I look at pictures of her from, like, a few years back and say, go to a doctor, you have cancer. And she probably had it for a long time, like, for at least three years. It was was completely asymptomatic until things got so weird, she finally started to get things checked out. But anyway, get checked all the time, people. Never skip a physical... Get your colonoscopies and your mammograms. Dave's driving me in my colonoscopy on Thursday, Thursday eight thirty. Um, and get your skin checks and your balls fondled, et etc, et, cetera, et cetera. Get your shit checked yeah. because cancer is very, very
2: quiet until it's too until late. Until it's not, and yeah. it's more prevalent among amongst younger people now than ever. And they before. don't know why. Yeah, I blame Trump.
0: <laughs>
2: hey, shut the fuck up! Don't tell me that shit.
1: No, seriously, Steve. Trump's not good. I know you don't want to hear it.
3: No, no, no. I I know.
1: I know you. You're in your Cubs shirt and pro Trump, and you always have been. But I'm telling you, it's not good. Trump supporters rickets the Cubs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Steve. At least,
3: well, don't paint that on them. At least some of them are.
1: (sighs) Oh, night court. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right, one of the greatest gifts any friend can give you Is the song that becomes one of your favorite songs Or the artist that becomes one of your favorite artists Or an album that becomes one of your favorite albums Leah gave me that gift when she put Court and Spark on On a rainy LA afternoon This album is comforting when you're feeling sad Or when you're feeling pretty good, but you want to feel for someone else going through some shit, or if everything feels great, but it just gray out and you need something that fits the mood, Court and Spark is the essential somber mood matching album in the entire world. Um, The first piano chord of this song, which is the first track on the album, it's like musical permission to cry. Leah told me that Court and Spark was an evolution for Joni Mitchell, and she was right. I did some research to back it up. It came out in 1974 and was her first album to infuse her folk style with jazz influences. Does that sound familiar? Considering the album's comparison to what Steely Dan was up to and that fellow Los Angeles folk rocker Kenny Loggins would do the same kind of folk to jazz departure with his Celebrate Me Home album, you wonder about how much influence Court and Spark had on Yacht Rock. All this, plus some Yacht Rock Horn guys are on there, and Larry Carlton playing guitar on a couple of the tracks. This just may be a seminal proto-yacht album. Ooh, good find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. Hey, excuse me. Um, so this album reminds me of Leah so much, because she always had a melancholy about her. She had the ache. She had the ache, yeah. You'd never know, because she was always so personable and warm when you'd meet her. But she carried a soft darkness that a lot of us reaching middle age do. It's the regrets and the residual pain from disappointment and failure piling up and causing us to be jaded, a little hopeless. But as Leah got older, she was starting to shed that darkness, finding light through her children and an optimism that her family's best days were ahead of us. And they were, in a really tragic way. The intense closeness she and I had and our kids felt when she got sick was unlike anything I've ever experienced. It was extreme beauty in the sadness of life. It taught me the truth of and the reason for love. And now I can feel love and give it so much easier. The album is uh, the closest audio representation I can find of the warmth and quiet, beautiful darkness of the purest form of love we felt toward the end of Leah's life. In conclusion, I give Joni Mitchell's Court and Spark five stars. <laughs> Perfect timing. You planned that really well. Yeah. Uh, sorry, anybody else Court and Spark? Anything? I,
1: I feel like I want to say something about that, but you just did it so, so concisely and so perfectly.
0: Write me an email. I will. Uh, so, Bill Withers' Lovely Day. This is our song. Yeah. And it's not number one because this isn't just about me and her. But this is a song we'd play in our first house together on Walcott Way. Yep. Uh, we wanted it to be the song for the first dance at our wedding. But we also wanted to snazz up the boring experience of watching a couple in their first dance. Yes. So, we made a super cheesy romance video to this song. that played on the screen uh, behind our first dance. We also had slideshows of our baby pictures during the Father Bride and Mother Groom Dances. Hashtag wedding tips yep. for you uh, fiancés and fiancers. Uh, so if you want to know how our relationship felt, the song was it. Love, I learned that love is having a shitty day and then having someone who will just be there for you and make you feel like everything is perfect. I could look at her and almost everything would feel all right. She was a master at putting up with me Calming my anxiety Teaching me to chill the fuck out When I was freaking out about dumb stuff Fucking
1: saint Yeah
0: (laughs) I could do it just by looking at her And she needed to chill the fuck out Every now and then about dumb stuff And that's where I came in Uh, And that continued when she was sick We'd rarely cry together One of us freaked out And the other calmed down Calmed us down The difference was It was harder to make the argument That everything would be okay Facing what we were facing, the comforting words became, wasn't everything great? What a hell of a life we had together. She wasn't scared or regretful when she died. She truly appreciated the life she lived and always let me know it was better than she ever could have dreamed. And that gave me comfort. It's weird, but every day of her illness was the loveliest day of our time together. Every day got lovelier from the first time I saw her breathe gasping at the sight of me at your party, Dave. (laughs) To the very last breath that she saved for me when I got down to her bedside right before she died. And shit, boys, if you think I'm laying it on thick here, wait until the next song. Um,
1: I, I don't know if this is the right place to do it, but I'd like to talk about the last time I saw Leah. Sure. Um, she was in the house, and uh, we, we knew what was coming.
0: Hospice had already come, right? Yeah.
1: And I wanted to go and say goodbye. And she didn't look great. <laughs> She'd lost some weight. Um, but we were hanging out and just talking, like, like we always did. And she just wanted to hear she, uh, what she called a Dave story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, let me hear a Dave story. And I told her a story about that day at work. Where uh, everybody in the office, we were in a new office and everybody was afraid of ghosts. Like, somebody was like, oh, uh, yeah, I was in working here and somebody came in and I felt it behind. It was just like like dipshittery, mm-hmm. talking about ghosts. And in that conversation, I said, uh, yeah, these ghosts, they, 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 they sneak up behind you, they crack farts, and I just ripped a fart. And she loved
3: it. She just cracked up. Mm -hmm. And it meant so much to me that... That someone finally enjoyed your farts? No, she just wanted
0: to hear a dipshit Dave story. You should find more friends' dying wives (laughs) if you'll finally get an audience that appreciates you. Your your mouth to God's ear. (sighs) Fuckers.
2: Oh, Jesus
1: Christ.
2: <laughs> this song alone makes me cry. I know. This is the one <clears throat> the one and only song I, I learned how to play on guitar. And it's also the
0: most cliche modern lullaby, but this is <laughs> the song <laughs> Leah would sing to For our kids. For a reason. Yeah. It's beautiful. Our kids loved when she sang them this song. It got me every time I saw them watching her sing it. And it gets me even more today, obviously. My every daughter sometimes tells me, You remember when Mama would sing that song? Blackbird singing in the dead of night Yeah, I remember <laughs> and you know, It breaks my dang heart every time I think about it Because you don't life. have your mom anymore She loved those kids like crazy Like, I'll be fine I'll move on Leah will always occupy a huge part of my heart But my kids lost their mother My daughter's four She's only gonna remember her through pictures and videos Barely My son is eight He lost her during the beginning of the most precious years of boyhood it's not fair, because she loved them so much. And it,
1: it fucking sucks. Like, I pulled into your driveway the other day with your kids in my car, mm-hmm. and your daughter said, Oh, the black car's daddy's, the gray car's mommy's. Yeah. And it just fucking snapped my heart black
0: into it. Yeah. Um, the kids gave Leah a new purpose, and she poured everything she had into them. And the fact that they no longer feel that love from her on a daily basis—that they have to recall it—that's the biggest ripoff I can imagine. I can do my best, but I can't—I can't recreate it. We should buy both of your kids a blackbird. <laughs> I don't want to take care of them. Uh, the blackbirds—I don't want to take care of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not—they they could be a handful. I'm not going to do this to you, sweet audience, but if I really wanted to lay it on super thick, I'd play one of the last recordings she ever made for them. It's her voice that was once so strong, it it's weak, and so sweet. It's a dying mother. My kid's mother, my wife, singing this song to her children. There are a few sadder, more beautiful recordings in the world. Um... If you want a solid equivalent, I'd recommend Warren Zevon's deathbed song, Keep Me in Your Heart. Oh, you guys ever heard that song? Yeah. It's fucking beautiful. Steven, do
3: th- does this fit the genre? Seems like it does. All right. Can I, can I tell you- about the last two times I saw oh, Leah? Yeah. Okay, so. Uh, the the industry uh, the entertainment biz insurance plans being what they are, uh, Lee and I ended up with oh, the same, same surgeon. Same right. right. the same Azu.
2: No, different doctor.
0: Arzu was her uh, oncologist, and I recommend him to anyone who might.
3: No, have
2: this to
0: is, go uh, something like this.
3: Dr. Beiderman. Easy who, on uh, the eyes. Dr. Biederman, who uh, operated on the the colon cancer and removed the tumor, That's and the dude also. Man cut open my crotch and sewed my hernia shut.
0: Yeah.
3: All purpose, that Beaterman. Yep. He's, he may he just, if you, if you got a problem in your pelvic area, he's gonna uh, fix you right up. Yeah. And, uh, so the last two times I saw her, uh, the first one was, I was in Biederman's office for a follow-up on my hernia and holy shit, there's Leah. There's Leah right across the room there. And, uh, I went and I sat down we chatted for a little while while, uh, somebody was waiting to go in and I, uh, Terrible wait times in that office. Yeah, yeah. It was, it I'd any get there at like ten in the morning. Like, okay, I'll be, I'll, I'll make it to my uh, job pretty soon, and then like forty-five minutes later, I'd still be waiting to get into the office, and then I'd be in there for like ten minutes. Anyway, I uh, gave Leah some recommendations about where to get to medical marijuana, and uh, I went on my way. And we went there, and she loved that place. Fantastic! I'm glad. I'm glad to have contributed. What's it called?
2: Um, are you talking collective? about the
3: clinic where you get the 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 certificate? Or are you talking about the dispensary? The dispensary. Oh, that was uh, oh, what the hell is it? California, something collective. It's in Silver Lake. Well, that it's, recommendation is It's an all-female-run marijuana dispensary.
0: That's another thing, man. When Leah got sick, I started getting into medical marijuana, and you go to these places. And every time you go to a new dispensary, they just throw joints at you, free joints at you, like crazy. Oh yeah, this this place had. A Weed. Wheel. I have so much weed at my house right now <laughs> I can never <laughs> smoke at all now, so stoners I, come by visit no I went into, into one of them with
1: some mutual friends uh, who wanted to go to one because they don't live here and just I, I came out with so much weed yeah. I don't smoke weed Yeah.
3: Like, oh here we go I, just, I don't smoke I just smoke it like, dropped
1: it off fuck the local. you just dropped it off at the local middle school.
3: <laughs> but yeah, they uh, they they have a prize wheel where if you're a first timer, you just like get to spin the prize wheel, and the prize is always like a fucking pile of marijuana and some in some, <laughs> in some different <laughs> form than the one they just it's, gave. They just sold to you. It's a prize wheel, and every triangle says pile of, of marijuana. Yeah. Some <laughs> <laughs> pile of premium cush. Yeah. And the very last time I saw her. It was in a different medical clinic, and I think, I forget, I I, I was there for some other different checkup thing that I was getting looked at, and uh, I was coming out, and you guys were getting off the elevator, I think she was... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the last time I saw her. We just kind of stood in the lobby and said hello very quickly, and you guys were on your way to she's going to get her something chemo. Something terrible happened to her, and yeah. I just gave her a little hug and was like, "Okay, well, I hope you good luck." Chemo was great. It was,
0: it's, it's weird, but it's like the one time that if you felt confident that she was taken care of, yeah. and that like people who knew what they were doing were doing what had to be done. When she's home with me, I'm doing my best. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Getting chemo. Anybody who has to go through this will find. It's kind of a wonderful time. Nurses are super friendly. Um, sure. It's really yeah, like
1: great. End-of-life end of care is something like those people are in
0: sense. Yeah, they really are. Thank you, Dr. Arzu's staff. You're wonderful. All right.
1: <laughs> Let's get into it. Oh, Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> um, it's a we are gathered here today to get through this thing And those were the first words of the beautiful eulogy that My Leah's friend, friend, Megan friend Megan gave during her two memorials. We had one in Los Angeles. The, uh, the second one was in the Twin Cities, which is her ancestral home and also the ancestral home of the purple one, Prince. It is a weirdly celebratory song about death, and there's no better song to wrap up Leah's life. She embraced the life that came to her. She let the wind take her from Minneapolis to Madison to San Francisco to Chicago to Los Angeles. And she understood death was coming sooner than any of us would have liked. You read her diary, she kept um, she kept very consistent diaries from her teenage years until her last days. You'll find she had a pretty good idea she was going to die young, likely of cancer. It's kind of a strange impression. Um... So she lived as well as she could, and she did a damn good job. She gave laughs, she gave comfort, she gave life. Just a damn good person with a big heart, my best dang friend. Uh, Prince was equally prescient about his death in this song, maybe. Lines like, pills and thrills and daffodils will kill, hang tough children. Prince got killed by pills, all right. And he died in an elevator. Yeah, don't let the elevator bring you down. Yep. Holy shit. Good call, Steve. Um,
3: but Leah too did, much fucking perspective. Too much fucking
0: perspective. It's weird when you, it's weird the things that you predict with art. Um, but Leah didn't suffer from any terrible drug addiction. Pills and thrills didn't do her in, more like daffodils because nothing caused her death. Kooks and scientists might argue too much laptoping, too much cell phoning, too much Starbucking sparked that first cancer cell to form. The fact is, there's just too much shitty luck. So let that be a lesson, children. Live your dang lives. You don't have to change the world. Just make yourselves happy because the only one thing can prove to you. The only, I'm sorry. The one thing I can prove to you is that the time we get on earth is a miracle. And the only tangible heaven there is, is right here. Make your people happy. Because I can't prove the afterlife, but I can assure you that you live on in the memories you leave with the people you love. A person's spirit is terribly strong. And hopefully, now you strangers listening might think of Leah when you hear one of these songs. And that would mean so much to me because it means you're helping her continue to live on. And that's why it was so important to me to prattle on in your ears about how much I miss the extraordinary per- person that brought so much music into my life. Thanks for indulging me, boys. What did we? What did we miss? Um, I would have put uh, something from Minneapolis, uh, Fancy Ray guy. Oh, the Fancy. He didn't really do music. Fancy Ray is the the crazy TV personality that she, that Leah named her three pound Chihuahua <laughs> after. Yeah. The glue in our in our early relationship. That was an extraordinary dog. Tiny, annoying piece of garbage, but he liked to cuddle up with you in his wow. legs. He was very sweet.
1: Dog was horrible. <laughs> so
0: horrible. He cost uh, like a thousand dollars a year to get his teeth cleaned and like seven hundred dollars to die. Anyway. <laughs>
1: How much you kill your dog? Seven hundred bucks. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Pretty much. That's that's what it's like to be around fancy, right?
3: <laughs> um, you you already mentioned the Aretha Franklin George Michael duet yeah, earlier, so that's the only other thing I can tell you. the uh, The weed the Weed Collective is the California Caregivers Alliance. Oh, thank you. It's all oh, it's run by women, so it's unintimidating. Yep. Check it out, so you all you
2: marijuana neaters out there. The last time, the, the last conversation I had with Leo was about Robert Tepper. Mm-hmm. From, from the most well, mostly people know him from Rocky 4. Sure. Which I was like with I was like, hey, if I email Leo, should, should I talk to her? Should I send her a Robert Tepper song? And I found it. And it's probably a little inappropriate to send a Robert Tepper song to mm-hmm. somebody who's going through chemotherapy. uh, Not at all. No, actually,
0: she used your um, heavy metal playlist a lot as inspiration when she was, like, getting strong and trying to exercise. It was, yeah, Robert Tepper was perfect. In fact, we were going to go to a Robert Tepper concert (laughs) at the Rainbow just before she, (laughs) she got diagnosed in April, and the concert was May 5th, so she wasn't quite in the condition. But she was all like on the she was just getting better from her surgery and everything, he was like, should we go to the Robert Tepper? No, it's gonna go too late, you get
2: too tired. Well, I guess I read that wrong. Right? Yeah, I yeah. Guess Robert was, Tepper is the perfect thing for somebody fighting cancer.
1: She was one of those friends that like I remember one of my friends from back east came out and didn't want to hang out with you, wanted to hang out with Leah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah. Gina and Leah and I hung out. And just had a great fucking time. And that was one of the most fantastic things about her. She could hang out with anyone. Yeah. And
2: just...
1: Tell me something about music I didn't know.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I miss her. Me too. But now we got this podcast. (laughs) So we always listen to Rovonne. Also, anyone that gives us shit...
1: For uh, not doing many episodes or breaking up our episodes, that's why. This is why.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, a couple other things. Uh, my birthday's coming up on the 22nd. Become my Facebook friends public page. Just find me. And become a Facebook friend. I'm doing a back fun- on fa- Facebook. Yeah, Facebook does a fundraiser thing for your birthdays now, and I want people to give to Camp Kesem, which is a camp for kids who have been affected by cancer, whether the parents survived or currently going through it or passed away. Any kid touched by cancer can go to this camp, a sleepaway camp for free. They're all over the country. Um, I can afford to send my kids there, but not everybody can. And the fact it's such a lonely thing to go through this. The fact that kids can be around kids who have experienced the same thing is invaluable. So like everybody who listened to this became a Facebook friend and gave a dollar to Camp Kesem. It it, it would raise a lot of money for them and send a few kids to camp. So check that out, and please try to do that for my birthday and for Leah. All right, we'll be back next time with a Hunter episode that I hope is never
2: surrenders, but we'll see what it is. Uh, <laughs> if I do Never Surrenders that'll probably be the last one okay um, alright uh,
0: let's see uh, thanks to Rob Crow and Mark Rivers uh, for the bumpers thanks to Chuck Tom, this Tomlinson for the bumpers and thanks to Matt Brousseau